translated, we're all too polite about it. But, you know, politeness, take Eskom. Eskom is not a steady ship that requires an experienced captain. Eskom is a ship in an uncharted sea that requires a bloody pirate set of skills, you know, to, to cope with. Mark, hello, good morning. And good morning to you, Tim, on a fine sunny day, basking in the finals of the women's cricket. Damn near victory over those Aussies. I always like to give them a go. Good morning. So lots of anniversaries this week. It's the first anniversary of the war in Ukraine, the third anniversary of the start of COVID. So I have a question for you. Yeah. How do you remember your wedding anniversary? It's going to take me some time to just give you, I don't know how much time we've got left on this, um, on this program. <laughs> okay, I'll give you the answer. The answer is you yeah. forget once and then you never forget again. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get into trouble here. We could get into trouble here. Look, yeah, I think yeah, yeah. The anniversaries of so interesting things, you know, the, the anniversaries of good things and the anniversaries of bad things. And, you know, I'm not sure how much time we should dwell on, 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 the, on, the, on the bad memories, you know, although we, they, they're a matter of respect rather than indulgence, I would argue, okay? Yeah. And a one-year one year anniversary of the war in Ukraine, and I don't even think it's a war, I think it's an invasion, yeah. is an indictment on the international community, as far as I'm concerned. Okay, well, they're trying as hard as they can. It's not like they, they've done nothing. <laughs> I mean, it is interesting about Ukraine that the aid that Ukraine is getting has been gradually ratcheted up. If you think about it at the start of this conflict, if you thought then that Germany would be sending in you know, tanks and the U.S. Secretary of State would be promising billions in, in aid, I think. Um... No, but here's the question. What's everyone's agenda? Okay. So Germany is a major manufacturing economy, so it has to sell all things. Okay. The U.S., to, to balance its budget, has to sort of be at war because defense is such a huge portion of their budget, or it was historically. And, and sort of leads into an Eskom discussion, which is what is the root driver of the Eskom falling apartness, for want of a better word. And is it, is it all money? I mean, Eskom was the, the topic of this last week. I must tell you, the Daily Maverick had a bit of a scoop. It was some of the Sunday papers were, were sort of along the same oh, really? lines about the four Mafia groups, groups that are really dominating the tender programs in Mpumalanga. And interestingly, they, they put out, <laughs> this all comes from the interview that was done by the CEO in which he said that there were these four different mafia-like organizations. And he yeah. said that there was a cabinet minister who was, you know, part of one of them. And so obviously that's been the big news of the week. But I, I just want to, can I make one point about ESCOM before we move on to other stuff that I think hasn't been made before? And I think you might agree with me on this. And that is, I do think one of the big problems with ESCOM is middle management. And there, there has been some discussion internationally about why it is that we regard middle management with such disdain, if we do. And part of the reason is because we just love entrepreneurs so much. Entrepreneurs are you know, regarded by the, you know, the right as the people who disrupt organizations. And the left regard middle managers as kind of like people who are the agents of capital. And <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I do think in ESCOM, there's a big problem with middle management. But that's my guess. What do you think? Yeah, well, let me respond to that. Then I've got another conspiracy theory. But let me let me say this. Uh, you know, 
and, and this might be too profound for the show, but middle management are kind of stuck in the middle, okay? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, oh, my God, what a and, great observation. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't know. Oscar Wilde, eat your heart out. So, so you know, I think, I think that, that they, don't get, they don't have the same risk return equation and they have a need to stay employed, okay? You know, uh, and, and there's this expertise entitlement dynamic which finds its way into organizations which are, you know, structurally, becoming structurally misguided, if I could put, put it that way. So, you know, I, the, what choice do you have, man? You know what? If, you, you know, if you're the CEO of Eskom or if you're the board or the share, you've got sort of a spectrum of opportunity. If you've worked for Eskom for 20 years, you know how these things work. Where do you go? What do you do? You have to succumb to the new order in town and the new sheriff. And, and that's what's sort of happening more generally, I think, is that people are sort of acquiescing, business included, in the name of continuity. And the time for that is over. The time for politeness, I watched an economist talk about our gray listing, which I'd like to get to, uh, get to later. We're all too polite about it. You know, politeness... You know, uh, even take Eskom. Eskom is not a steady ship that requires an experienced captain. Eskom is a ship in an uncharted sea that requires a bloody pirate set of skills, you know, to, to cope with it and all of the variables. So middle management, I, you know, I have a sympathy for them. Yeah. You know, one of the problems with middle management and a high turnover of CEOs is that mm. actually, you know, middle managers have got all of the connections. They have historical knowledge of the organization they have a sense of how the rank and file feel. You know, they've got networks. And if you have a situation in which the CEO is changing a lot, it actually makes the jobs of middle managers even more difficult than they are. Anyway. Continuity, Tim, will only manifest in SAEs when expertise is appointed, not politicians. When, when, when the politicians can change, but the experts can prevail. And so... You shouldn't have a revolving door of CEOs, depending on the whim of who's in charge politically in the shareholder. The shareholder's got a different function to running the organization. And as soon yeah. as we divide the responsibility of political power to the executive management as two different focal points, we will never get out of this mess unless we do that. I'm going to squeeze in my conspiracy theory. Okay. <laughs> I'm willing to bet. Going back, going back, going back to the, going back to the various groups and the the saboteurs and the crooks and the whoever might be out there, minister uh, assisted or otherwise, I'm willing to bet that the situation is going to improve immediately. Okay, I'm willing to bet that we're going to go down a couple of stages because the saboteurs are going to be told to stay their distance, just so that they can say, "See, we told you what was wrong." Okay, and then at our peril, we're going to run. Eskom even deeper into unmaintained territory. But let's, let's wait and see. I'm willing to bet we're going to see a temporary improvement in defense of, of those in charge. Okay. Okay, nice prediction. All right, let's move on to uh, gray listing. Now, is it possible to talk about gray listing without saying the following words? Fifty shades of gray. I mean, is that where your mind immediately goes? percent. <laughs> I mean, it's been... <laughs> I never watched Fifty Shades of Grey, but anyway, so... But I'll say this. It's uncharted territory. I don't even know... First of all, I don't know whether it's a discretionary judgment or whether there are a set of specific fail-pass tests, but it's the first time we've ever been a judged grey. It's not a cool colour, Okay. 
And I don't know even what the route to reinstatement is. Okay, And so I don't know what the measurables are. And we knew it was coming from 2019. We got warning signals. And it's a disgrace that we find ourselves uh, included in that. And what's going to happen consequently is that the risk, the sovereign risk premium must rise substantially, which means that yeah. our cost of capital rises, which means that we get ourselves into an even more parlous state of, of funding our future. And so it's a, it's a real bad outcome. It's a real failure. I think so too. I thought it was very interesting. I actually went through all of the reasons what we had to do to not be grey listed. There's a list of eight things that we have to improve on in order to be ungrey listed. And they have this list. They have all of the countries on their website in which there is all of the grey listed ones with the nine reasons or eight reasons or seven reasons. But here's the interesting thing. There was one reason or one cause in the South African list that wasn't on a lot of the other lists. And that was that South Africa has to respond faster and with more vigor to something called requests for mutual assistance. So basically, you know, reading between the lines, my theory is that uh, a whole bunch of countries have sent the South African government requests for legal assistance, which they have to do, right? This is, you know, international law. You can't just march into a country and start demanding things and arresting people, right? You have to go through the local authorities. And the South African government, or whoever the responsible person is, has been putting this in the basket. And the basket is... I can't be bothered. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, they, they are, they're just not responding to requests for international legal assistance. I mean, that just sounds exactly like our security forces. Some idiot from Switzerland has sent this request. I think what I'll do yeah. is I'll just forget about that and move on with my life. You know? Yeah, we seem to be forgetting about everything. We seem to be deferring in the hope of, I don't know, in the hope of what? I tell you what I think is, some of it, is there's a sort of a structural or political override of economic and legal obviousness or logic or reason, okay? And so we kind of go like, well, we're not going to do that, okay? We, it doesn't apply. We, you, know, we, we, you know, we've got all these rules that were imposed upon us in the past. We're going to disregard them. Uh, we don't really need to be part of it. I can tell you that we absolutely have to be part of the international financial community. Absolutely have to be part because the variables in this country do not suggest that we have a self-sustainable financial equation. Okay? And so we need foreign capital more than any other aspect of, uh, of our financial equation. And so we best fall in line. And the way to do yeah. that is to, change our, is to change our stance from, you know, from arrogance to invitation. We, we, we need to go, what do you, what do you want? You know, how can we make this? Your best choice. Well, that's an interesting topic because you were actually on Bruce Whitfield's show this week talking yeah. about the Indian approach to inward investment. Yeah. And I happened to notice that during your interview, you did not mention that South Africa has got such an institution. It's called Invest South Africa or Invest SA. So can you tell me, Mark, who is running Invest SA? Well, you see, there's my answer in a nutshell. I try and not talk about things about which I know nothing. Okay. <laughs> and, and which I sometimes, which is a rule I sometimes break. Let's, let's be fair. Yes. No, let's be honest here. <laughs> we have these things in name. Okay. And, you know, Invest India, run by this guy Deepak 
Bugla, was a was a, a state initiated institution which was staffed entirely by business executives. Okay, and then the guy who led it was happened to be the head of Citibank in India. So he's an he's an oak. You know, he's, you know, he's been there. And he started with three people, they're four, fifty. Anyway, it's an it's been an extraordinary success because they wait for you to come, they invite you, they meet you at the door. You know, I went to someone's party on Sunday and there he was, meeting every single person at the door, making them feel special and welcome. That's what we need. And then and then engaging, you know, with our local scene and acclimatizing them and showing them the way and holding their hand until the money's deeply entrenched in our, you know, infrastructure system. That's what we need to do. We do not have to have people come here and go like, okay, where? And, and, and why is that rule? And what is, we, we have structural overrides to common sense here. And that, <laughs> that's right. We do. And, and that, I mean, can you remember the old financial, I'm going to write about this. Can you remember the old financial rand, commercial rand uh, set of rules, which completely overrides economic sense and choice? Well, we've got some similar things in place. Turf them out. Listen yes. to the weight of intelligent capital and invite it in. I mean, I, you know, South Africa, it's typical, I think, in some ways, because, you know, South Africa knows the theory, but the practice of it is just appalling. I've actually met the head of Invest SA. His name's Eunice Hussens, very nice guy, very dedicated to his job. And I'm sure he's doing good things in his own way, you know, but he's also a career public servant. He's been doing this job for about 25 years. And, you know, it's just the subtleties of the structure make such an enormous difference. So if you walk through the door and you are met by somebody who is right at your precise mental pitch, uh, it makes a big difference to walking through the door and meeting somebody who is well-intentioned, you know, but doesn't really understand in a true sense what you're about. I mean, the, you know, public servants should enable competent executives should do. Okay, so we, we require a political, democratically, you know, empowered group of people who then enable the people that know how to play rugby to play rugby and the people who know how to uh, cost the capital for a dam to, and to build it, to build it and so on. Not to try and be a, a barrier, but to be uh, an enabler, you know. And I think, you know, you know, I mean, the thing that came out of Invest India uh, for me, was was a couple of things. First of all, they were encouraged to leave all their prejudices at the door and focus forward. And second of all, it was all about what have we got? What is India today? How can we subcomponent it into its natural strengths and then develop those and choose where we want to put our energy and our capital to become leaders in in, in limited fields? And South Africa. Those choices are quite obvious. You know, we've got natural resources, you've got tourism opportunity, we've got all sorts of export opportunity in agriculture. We've got all of the, these things. You could choose five and go, forget everything else. Yeah, so sure. All right, let's move on to our last section, which is Dinner Skinner. And the topic that I wanted to suggest was the new editions of Roald Dahl's books. Uh, How do you feel about this? Roald Dahl, uh, <laughs> I mean, very famous, fantastically popular, and in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the character Augustus Gloop has now, is now no longer described as fat. He's described as enormous. What do you feel about this? I mean, <laughs> well, you, know, you know, first of all, you know, no one forces you to read Roald Dahl. You read it if you want. It's not imposing you. It's not, a, it's, not a, it's not a prescribed book for school, you know, although perhaps it should right. be. I mean, I think okay. woke is going broke. 
And, you know, I also think that what you should look for is the embedded teachings of the genius of that writing rather than the words that you might find offensive. So I, I think it's, you know, I tell you what, know your expectations and increase your sense of humor. Okay. If you want to get by in this. Okay. okay. Because no, 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 I just, even if these things yeah. are wrong, they should not right. be changed. They should be seen for what they are and they should have embedded lessons in them, good and bad. And we should learn from them, but not change them. That would be my view. Anyway, who's wrong? Um, well, the, <laughs> I agree with you. I just hate the idea of some oversight board, you know, deciding what's correct and what's incorrect. But, you know, the counter argument is that Roald Dahl made some changes of his own during his lifetime yeah. to his books. Well, he's got this, yeah. So if he made the changes during his lifetime, is it so wrong that his heirs, who, you know, want the books to carry on making money for years and years and years, change some aspects of it and make it more, you know, No, no I don't think modern. so. I think uh, if, they, if they don't agree with him, they should write their own damn books. Okay, what do you want to walk up to a Picasso and scratch out one of the lines because it doesn't, because it offends you? Rubbish, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I, mean, I don't know if you've seen Ricky Gervais's response, uh, but I, it's not, this is, this is a polite show, I'll restrain myself. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> so what did Ricky Gervais have to say about this? No, I mean, it's just all sorts of words that are no longer acceptable. And, you know, what he would need to do, all of his shows, you know, going backwards. Yes, no, that's right. All right. Thanks, Mark. A very interesting chat. And I'll see you again next Tuesday. I'll see you next Tuesday. I'll be in the fairest cape. And so you should expect me to be a lot more aware than I am today. <laughs> Good. Oh, that's very nice to hear. Uh, just to say to everybody, please do send in your responses. We're just delighted by how many people are listening to the show. And by all means, send us topics that you'd like us to discuss. And please rate the show on the podcast platform that you listen to because it helps other people find the show. Thanks very much, man. And if you don't like us, say so so that we can rewrite the show, you know, next year. <laughs> okay. This show is part of the Africa Podcast Network. For the biggest pod network on the continent. For sales inquiries, please contact us at info at africapodcastnetwork.com.